Hello and welcome to the Challenging University podcast with me, your host, Tony Kent. Now, how important is lived experience in designing programs that connect excluded communities and individuals with meaningful opportunities? And is it possible to create instead policy if you didn't finish your degree? Jack Deepsaw is today's guest and he is Head of Strategic Partnerships at Pathway Group, an organisation that puts the experiences and needs of multicultural communities at the heart of its programmes and service offerings. In our conversation, Jack Deep shares his views on the talent that existed within his community growing up in the Midlands, why hockey was about more than just sport, discovering that university didn't suit his learning style, his experiences of unemployment, how he built a career that went from frontline employment support advice to influencing and implementing national policy, how educational bias impacted his early career options, and the power of combining data and drive for results with empathy and lived experience. Let's go. Hi, Jagdeep. Hi, Tony. Thank you for agreeing to come on the Challenging University podcast. Thank you very much for the invitation. Really honoured and privileged to be here. Well, I'm glad that we've managed to make it because off record we were talking about the challenges of people being unwell on public transport. Um, So for the listeners today and the listeners to come, could you please share your full name and what it is that you do for a living? Sure, I'm Jagdeep Sora. I'm Head of Strategic Partnerships for the Pathway Group, but predominantly looking after our multicultural initiative. So that's the Multicultural Apprenticeship Alliance, the Multicultural Apprenticeship Network, and also a webinar that I run called the Apprenticeship Diversity and Social Mobility Forum. Awesome. Just like all of the things that I love in one place. Um, and we'll come on to what um, sure. each of those kind of aspects of your role are. But let's go back in time, as we always do, because um, this may not have been what you thought you were going to do when you were growing up. What are your memories of secondary education? Uh, they, they're quite pleasant memories, really. I mean, um, went, went to a, a local comprehensive school. My brother went to the same school. It was a boys' school. So they had a boys' school and a girls' school attached. So my, my elder brother went to the same school. My sister went to, obviously, the girls' school. And I, I just followed suit, really. Um, normal comprehensive, um, that... In, in, a, in a sort of inner city area, sort of quite a deprived area within within Birmingham, um, but had a lot of talent within that, um, but talent that really is now coming to the fore, but it really didn't come to the fore when uh, when we were in school. So a lot of sporting talent, a lot of right. musical talent. Um, yeah. But again, the, 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 in, in, in terms of um, the infrastructure and the support that you, that other schools would have rather than an inner city uh, school within a deprived area we didn't really didn't really didn't have that so in terms of your question yeah really really good memories um I wasn't the best student in terms of attendance to be honest one, one, of, the, <laughs> one of the worst <laughs> I, had a, I had a I had a sort of a, a nickname um which which I want sort of well I, I'll tell you my name was Jag the Wag at school <laughs> Oh, I like this. Yeah, through the through the late later years. Um yeah. but yes, yeah, so I wasn't the best student, but uh I, I was okay, sort of average really. Okay. Um you talked about some of the sporting and musical talent. Uh any names you can drop? 
Yeah, so we had uh, we had a few. Um, I think there was a guy called Aston Aston Martin. I mean, obviously there's a, there's a car, but I think he was um, he was a runner for Great Britain. Um, mm. There was a, a number of hockey players. Our our, our school was uh, quite a good hockey playing school, and in terms yeah. of one a number of uh, national championships, I played hockey for the school, and then etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and then progressed on. Um, yeah. And then we had Apache Indian. I don't know if you know. Apache yeah, yeah. Sorry, I bought um, arranged marriage and chopped there. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's yeah, um, yeah and he, he, he's uh, so he was he was a few years older than me. So when I came in, but we're still we're still very good friends. Uh, so he was part, and then the, another couple of sort of Asian singers who, who were really quite. Uh, Quite predominant, really, and quite high up within the within the Asian sort of Bangra sort of um, musical yeah. circle. They were they were also part of our school, so uh, there was a lot of a lot of rich talent, um, yeah. as I say, but, but needed a lot of nurturing and support and and whatever else. Yeah, wow! I just sent uh, actually one of my kids the Punjabi MC um, track the other day. So it's like there was a, a real time where. It was like Apache Indian and and artists like that were massive, but I'm sure I've still got like one of the twelve inches downstairs. Amazing. Well, you sent me um that that song on the links advert. Is it um Boom Shakalak or whatever? That oh, that yeah. literally that yeah that literally um made him a millionaire overnight really, and he's obviously still getting the royalties and 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 whatever else. Yeah. So he's doing extremely well, but he's also given a lot back. So he's got his own academy and. He gives really? a lot back within the, in the city area, so he gives a lot back oh. in terms of the musical field, but also to uh, to the inner city uh, children and pupils and students. See, there's always something surprising that comes out of these conversations, and I'm like, we've gone early on this one. Um, that's <laughs> awesome. And um, so, like you said, you played the hockey for the school, which I only learned as an adult is brutal. Um, yeah. as a sport oh my goodness um what kind of were you into um if anything with your lessons was there a subject that interested you most or were you like sport billy all the way <laughs> um yeah I mean judging by what I look like now you probably wouldn't think that I was a I was a sportsman but my brother <laughs> played hockey and my brother played to to quite a high level and then you know I yeah. I sort of followed his tracks really at school there was, there was a teacher there who who sort of uh, champion hockey um he could see as i say you know the the, the it's an asian sport and he, there was a lot yeah. of asian asian students there and he he wanted to bring that uh, that sport into the into the school so yeah. I, I followed sue tonight i again i sort of played to a sort of high level sort of junior international type level and then um that was it really played a bit of cricket as well played sort of for, yeah. for warwickshire yeah. colts played for the football team so sport was really really what um got me into school and it sort of really excited me about being at school um yeah I was okay uh, English um and another sort of th those sort of subjects really rather than more sort of the science science subjects okay but, uh, um, but again sort of a, an average student nothing nothing sort of beyond but there were a lot of better and more talented and clever people than me okay well I mean, it takes takes a mix, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So when you kind of did your um, the GCSEs, you would have been 
No, I actually did CSEs. CSEs. So I was, was the, yeah, was, I was the first CSE in no level, so I was the last year. Um, oh, to, okay. To the sort of before the GCSE started. Okay. What happened after that? Sixth form, college, work. What, what yeah, a bit of all of that. A bit of all of that, really. So I, uh, I went to, I went to college, a uh, local college, and then it was very much about following just following where the, where the gang took you, really. So the majority of people going to this college, so I, I followed them. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, did a, did a BTEC, uh, passed that, then came back to, to sixth form. Tried to do some A-levels around sort of English lit and, and whatever else, but that, that really wasn't, wasn't my bag. There was a lot of reading and yeah. a lot of reading around sort of Shakespeare and whatever else, and, and that didn't yeah. really float my boat, unfortunately. Yeah um so so that's really where where it's sort of that that fe uh element yeah. ended in terms of my education um and was there ever an expectation uh from teachers or family or or desiring your part to go to uni was that seen as part of your path totally yeah so so i i was the i was the first person in my my family to go to university as i say my brother was very talented mm-hmm. um very academic but he he went again he went to work pretty much sort of straight away after after leaving sixth form um so i followed the traditional route in terms mm-hmm. of you know fe and then then going to to university mm-hmm. so i got i got a place at uh, a leicester leicester poly uh, which is now de montford university so again you can oh. tell my age it's still a polytechnic in those days yeah. yeah um so that that's that's why why i went there and what did you choose to study while you were there so i, I chose business studies um and again it was something that i'm not sure whether it was the right course obviously it wasn't the right course when once you sort of hear my my journey um but it it was something that i thought that i i could potentially excel in you know in terms of sort of looking yeah. at um uh, what opportunities were available after i graduated or if i'd graduated yeah <laughs> yeah it was quite a quite an open sort of field and so quite a bit of potential within within that yeah and did you live away from home I did yes yes so I lived in uh, we lived in in, lived in Leicester it was uh, a we actually rented um so again one of our our sort of hockey guys one of my hockey uh colleagues he he had a house in in Leicester so they lived in Leicester he had a number of houses so he said yeah you you know you you guys can stay here so there were four of us again all guys linked to either my hockey club or other hockey clubs. So we, we knew each other from the past and we, we sort of stayed there again within yeah. inner city, inner city Leicester. So predominantly with the, with the, with the South, Southeast Asian population were rather than where the, where the students were. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, we had a house there. There's, I think there's four or five of us who stayed there. Okay. Cool. Was it? <laughs> I don't know if I should ask you what it was like. I just like a group of hockey players sharing a house. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was it, it was pretty it was pretty crazy yeah and we knew a lot of a lot of people who lived in Leicester so our our yeah. house was seen as sort of the the party house really particularly around um southeast southeast Asian festivals so Diwali is very prominent within Leicester yeah and we used to live just behind Melton Road which is where they which is sort of the golden mile I think they call it oh, um okay. and that's where they they you know they switch the Diwali lights on and whatever else so we used to get people yeah. from London coming people from um, Birmingham coming to Leicester our friends yeah. 
and then every used to congregate to to our house really so times we'd have like sort of 20 30 40 people in in our house just uh, oh my it's, it's quite a small house hopefully, hopefully my ex-landlord isn't isn't listening to this you'd never have got your deposit back um so you said there was an if you graduated what happened um nothing really nothing happened in terms of my my education attainment um yeah. so so basically i i i went to to university as i said you know i was i had a very sort of laid back approach and i went mm-hmm. to uni because it's not not something that i it was basically something that you had to follow or something that the traditional route and i think you were seen as a success if you went to college you were yeah. seen, seen as a success if you went to, went to uni yeah um so I, I went for the first year, um, and I think there was a lot of outside influences as well, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of, as I mentioned, you know, we had a lot of individuals who were new and people we knew within Leicester who'd always come around. And yeah. I think that, that the social side was was more attractive to me than the educational side. So I, I, yeah. I passed the first year mm-hmm. just by going to one induction lecture. I don't know how I did that. <laughs> I said I'm not very clever, but I must have done something right to, to pass the first year, and then the second year came. Yeah, and um, and a few things happened, sort of with within sort of my family, um, and then I just sort of just made the choice really that that university just just isn't for me. That academic approach, that mm-hmm. that day to day going, that learning environment, not actually. Um, anything sort of tangible or it's very theoretical you know not a lot of practical things were happening and, and yeah you know, I like that practical side of it and that interaction interaction one side of it mm-hmm. so so uni just just didn't didn't work for me so so what I did then is um I I sort of dropped out of uni mm-hmm. or or was told not to not to come back by the lecture <laughs> whichever one you choose to yeah. <laughs> except yeah yeah and, and how did you broach that conversation with your family? Did it, because you said it's, you know, prestigious to go to uni. Um, I'm interested to know, like you said, if, if, it, if there was an expectation for you to go and graduate and then you said, actually, I'm not going back. How did that land with your friends and family? Um, I mean, the, the, it was their expectation. You know, you go to university, you go to study, you graduate, you know, the whole sort of, um you know the black cape and the mortarboard and you know yeah. throwing, throwing, the, throwing it in the air and whatever else and that graduation ceremony was was really really important but also it's yeah. really really important it was seen for your future you know to get yeah. to get that degree and yeah. maybe in those days um and in hindsight looking back in those times university was you know d- degrees were looked upon or your hnds were really looked upon as um as something that you had to have mm. on your cv um, to be successful within within work mm. or to progress within your career, mm. and employers wouldn't look at anybody without an HND or or, or a degree, and then obviously mm. from from a particular university as well. So it was it was a challenging conversation um, yeah. or conversations yeah. um, with, with parents <laughs> and yeah, yeah, with parents, and then obviously siblings and whatever else in terms of mm. why university wasn't for me. But it was I, I was quite clever, clever in my approach as well. So it was, I was quite subtle, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of how I, I I phased myself out of university rather than just picking okay. all my suitcase, you know, picking my bags up, picking my stuff up, and then just going hi, my mum home. That's it. You know, it's very much sort of a phased phase. Okay. Thing. 
exit from university. But again, okay. very, very, very challenging. And but also challenging for me internally is also not knowing what the future would hold mm-hmm. and not having sort of that clear plan in terms of I'm not at uni anymore now, now or, or polytechnic. Now, what, what do I do? Mm. So what did you do? Where did you go? <laughs> I carried on how I how I left off, really, from, from uni. Mm-hmm. I just uh, just socialised and, and met with friends <laughs> and whatever else and, and, and became long, a long-term unemployed statistic. So right. I, uh, yeah, so I, 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 I went back. I, I signed on. Mm-hmm. um and then you know uh a month became three and then three became mm-hmm. six and then it became sort of a, a two years before I I hadn't hadn't worked wow and and that must have been a, a difficult experience where kind of how did you feel during that that time period yeah a bit I mean that that wasn't for the lack of me trying to to get a job mm. um you know I, I i was applying i was going to interviews um mm. and it was very much around well you haven't got the qualifications or you haven't passed your degree or why did you drop out and etc mm. etc so it was very much looked upon as that and there wasn't that really um empathetic approach from employers um no. you know to say well this is the reason why or un- university mm. wasn't for you and and we'll give you a chance we'll give you an opportunity so again, you, you felt a bit of a felt a bit of failure. Uh, mm. You felt that you know the 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 the, the corridor of opportunity was narrowing down, and yeah. the only roles you could go for were either very junior roles or 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 going into sort of blue collar jobs or something something to that effect. Mm. So it was very much around what 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 do I do now? What opportunities are available? And those mm. are getting less and less and limiting, really. Mm-hmm. And then also seeing your peers who graduated, yeah. you know, employers being very open to them coming in and then seeing them progress in their roles as well and in their sort of career journey, that's mm. quite uh, quite difficult as well. And were you living, did you go back to Birmingham at that point? I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I came yeah. back and, and, and stayed at home, yeah. yeah. And, and do you feel because um, something that's interesting to me is like the kind of regional narratives and I was speaking to somebody who lives in the northeast and he was saying when you see like footage of the 80s for example and it's all about the city and all these you know barrow boys becoming traders and he said that didn't that never chimes with him because actually what he experienced was deindustrialization and mass unemployment and how difficult it was and so I wonder that for the time period when you were, like you said, you'd left uni, you hadn't finished your degree and you were experiencing pushback from employers. Is that something that you think was related in part to where you lived? But yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can still see um, sort of that, that sort of north-south divide and the Midlands sort of being... I don't know whether the Midlands comes in the south or whether it comes in the, under the under the north. It depends on where you live. You know, anything yeah. from London, anything north of Watford is is, is the north. Mm. But it was really challenging. I mean, the the amount of um, uh, you know uh, finance being put in the regeneration of the city. I mean, it's a totally different city now in compa- in comparison to yeah. where, where we were, and the equitable equity of opportunity and accessibility of opportunities are very very limited. 
particularly mm. within sort of within sort of the the, the Birmingham area. I mean, there's other issues around, you know, public transport wasn't great, mm. getting getting to and from work and whatever else. So you were limited also to where you could actually look for work as well. Um, yeah. So there, there was a there was a lot of lot of lot of challenges. And then you, in terms of sort of employers coming in to the Midlands and investing in the Midlands, that that was very limited also. So you didn't get your major organisations or companies, you know, your your, your corporate organisations investing and coming into into the Midlands. Either it was very much focused around around London. Mm. And what was it? So you've had you kind of said there was like a two year period where. Um, you're unemployed what was the first job what was the job that took you out of so, that yeah so this is this is quite interesting this is sort of how I fell into into this type of work in terms of whatever you want to call it supporting people um, yeah I, I I I went to sign on um and as you did every sort of fortnight and a friend of mine was was uh actually school fellow really he was sort of signing me on and he said look you've got to look for a job now I said well I, you know it's not from the want of trying you know I yeah. just don't and I said well okay I said well, I wouldn't mind doing what you do you know I'm quite sort of you know, personality I can speak to people I'm quite articulate yeah. you know that customer service type approach I, I, I wouldn't mind doing what you're doing um and he said well happens to be there is a job um apply for it so I applied for what was then the employment services yeah and they used to call them casuals they used to have sort of three to six month contracts so okay. I applied for this job but it wasn't actually signing people on it was actually mm. a job shop which was specifically trying to get people back into work so you'd mm. you know you do employer engagement you you you'd sub submit these individuals for jobs you'd call employers um mm. etc and then rather than people coming in you know you sign them on and then you say okay come back in two weeks mm. so that that it was really good for me in terms of that interaction and and got that was my sort of first way into into um into working with employers and then also working within that sort of customer facing employment support type role wow, wow. And, and where did that take you though because I'm I'm sort of thinking now about the things that you do today and and actually how your past experiences must be like so valuable in that and inform how you look at the world where did working like in that job shop employment services space take you yes I mean it it was it was a great great introduction really in terms of into this this world of work I mean uh, you speak to many people and say well how do you how did you fall into apprenticeship skills employment support supporting long-term yeah. people into into work and and it, it very much is by by accident I mean you did a careers advisor you don't go to a careers advisor at school and say well and they ask what what do you want to do and you say well I want to go into employment support services yeah. that, that really didn't exist so I think you've got to be a, a certain type of person you know in, in terms mm-hmm. of and unless you unless you're very successful or you've got your own business you don't become a millionaire within this this sector yeah. either yeah. So it's very much about that mindset about wanting to give back and the empathy with people, but also that lived experience. So I, I yeah. had I had a lot of that, you know, in terms yeah. of I was long term unemployed. I knew where they were coming from. I knew the lack of opportunity there, so yeah. I could really, you know, walk a mile in their shoes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that took me sort of number of um, number of uh, casual contracts. So I went from sort of job center to job center, but still again within that sort of supporting. Mm-hmm. people um into work not signing people on and then I went to work for a, num- a couple of 
private sector type organizations still within employability still looking to help people back into work but various sort of government government contracts mm -hmm. um and then the big break really came with the organization called reading partnership who were part of the the sort mm -hmm. of read umbrella but they're yep. sort of their their welfare to work on and that's that sort of I, I worked for them for about three or four years but then did quite a bit of stuff within within the midlands but then also within london and then had my sort of first introduction into into bidding for for sort of mainstream employment programs and then trusted okay. to be to be part of that and then that's sort of also my first opportunity to in, into management as well which is around sort of 2001 so i managed a team of recruitment consultants then um yeah yeah so that that was really sort of my first intro into management and then my first introduction to working outside of outside of the midlands right and um how does that kind of i just really imagine like managing a team of recruitment consultants is not going to be <laughs> it's gonna be lively I would have thought. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> and and like when you and i have spoken prior to this recording um i started my career at reed and I just loved it. Like the recruitment consultant thing was, yeah, it was fun. Um, so how does this bring you to Pathway Group? How do you get there? Sure. So I, I mean, it's very, it's, it's a small sector, the employment support services sector. It's very small and the contracts are very time limited. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so what you do or what people tend to do they they sort of move from company to to company. So I I sort of I was working in London for Reed, and then it got to a point where um, I either had to move to London or mm -hmm. basically look for another role. Then I worked for an organisation called Shore Trust. Yeah. Look for those that, um, and then running these uh, disability employment programs. Yeah. Did did that sort of on a, on a national basis across across a number of um, uh, contracts in, in within a number of areas. So Barks, Bucks, Oxen, I did a lot, did a lot yeah. quite in, in London, worked on some quite high profile contracts as well and quite innovative mm -hmm. contracts. So an example of that would be for those leaving the construction sector due to a disability. It's how do you keep that, that uh, experience, that talent, that knowledge within the sector. Um, yeah. So we, we delivered a, a project um, which was trying to make these, uh, trying to get these construction workers very talented yeah. um, to become A1 assessors, which so that NVQ assessors. Okay. So we ran okay. that and used the, the carrot of, of, of delivering these workshops and the yeah. launch and launching these within sort of football clubs. So we had a lot of football clubs tied in. Right. So that's just an example in terms of the innovation and, and, and whatever else. Um, and then just 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 carried on from sort of various various organisations really, um, and then did did some work across so um, did some work in Greater Manchester, but also oh, sorry also worked with some organisations who were new entrants to the market, the FTSE one hundred companies, mm -hmm. but they could see the opportunity whether commercial or whether moral and ethical of within the welfare to work employment support sector, so Circo for example. They were a new entrant, so I, I, I sort of ran the the employer relations team on a national basis, led led on the employer relations function there, um, and then after that, G4S, who were the sort of the, the most successful yeah. new entrant to the to the to the to the sector, mm -hmm. worked in London, worked in Manchester there for three years, um, mm -hmm. and then 
following that, there was another couple of organisations, a housing association I worked of, I also worked across in Northern Ireland as well. So there's a new programme within Northern mm-hmm. Ireland called Steps to Success. Yeah. And I mobilised <clears throat> mobilized the supply chain element of that contract. So that was going from sort of Belfast all the way up to the, the A1 um, yeah. to sort of um, Port Rush, uh, yeah. Colrain, yeah. all that sort of Limavady, Mafelt, and all the way across to sort of Derry, London, Derry. So again, that was yeah. fabulous. Really yeah. fab- very nervous going to Northern Ireland. Yeah. In um, just because of obviously what you see on the on the on the media and what you hear on the media, um, yeah. and then being a sort of term and wearing Sikh going there, um, it was sort of a, a sort of a nervous time. But I think within the sort of first few hours when I landed, it was sort of the, the best experience. And throughout that sort of year, it was the best experience I've had. Yeah, and I was sort of thinking the kind of frame of reference that you have in terms of working in regions is vast. Um, yeah. And some of the, just when you mentioned there, like about disability and construction, because certainly knowing like, you know, lots of the men in my family work in construction, builders, roofers, scaffolders, and the amount of people that leave the industry due to injury um it, it's big because you know people will work until they physically cannot work anymore but then but then what so I think yeah. hearing that there are programs like that it, it's quite re- makes me optimistic but it, it, it a lot of people wouldn't think about that I guess so it's it's great to hear that you've been involved in projects that yeah, tackling and, and, those kind and, of and, issues and, in those days, it was quite pioneering. I mean, I'm t- probably talking about 2006, 2007 now. It was quite yeah. pioneering. It was a Whitehall project. David Lammy oh, um, yeah. was, was sort of the, the the lead, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of the, the government sponsor for it. And it, it was mm-hmm. quite quite pioneering, really. And, mm-hmm. and the other sort of... Um, and, and now, obviously, you get the data and the evidence and whatever else, and it wasn't that that sort of prevalent then but there was a lot of individuals not only leaving because of sort of bad backs and whatever else but yeah it's quite an isolated and lonely place as well working on a on a building site and in terms of the banter and yeah the potential bullying that you get and whatever else and people are really leaving also leaving sorry because of a real sort of the, the issue around mental health mm-hmm. so yeah the, you know you've got that physical um disability or that ailment but then you've also got the, the issue around sort of mental health as well, and in terms mm. of you know, what what that brings in terms of anxiety, stress, yeah, things such as that. So people leaving the sector due to that as well. Yeah. Wow. Um, so you've done steps to success. Yeah. Into Northern so Ireland, feel welcomed with open arms. Oh, it's fabulous! Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then um, I um. Yeah, so then the Housing Association did did around who'd had an employment arm. Um, And then I, again, still within sort of employment support. And then I I thought, well, something I haven't got is policy. I haven't really got a policy background. I don't know enough about policy. What actually happens when, or how do they, how does government or commissioners, how do they actually get to the point where, yes, this programme. Yeah whatever we're going to do, you know, whether it's, it's to get long-term unemployed people into work or disabled people back into work or whatever it may be, how do they get to that point? And so I thought I need to do a bit of work around sort of the, the pre, 
the pre-commissioning piece. So yeah. I, I went for, to work for an organisation called um, the Centre for Aging Better. Oh, who, yeah. yeah. Who are looking at those, so the, the issue around, you know, those at 50 to state pension age, so people, as, yeah. as you know, Tony, people are living a lot longer, but not necessarily yeah. living better later lives, you know, yeah. poverty, job yeah. prospects are really poor, um, you know, the grey economy, those that are economically inactive, etc. Again, it's that equity of opportunity and accessibility of opportunity. So I, I went to work for them. Their focus was on uh, the three pillars was housing, health and work, and work mm-hmm. looked at redundancy and retraining for those at 50 plus and, and, mm-hmm. and, and generally work for, for those, employment for those, that cohort. And I and I sort of led on led on the work uh, work stream for mm-hmm. them. Okay, um, and then pathway, and then pathway. And yeah. Then so, pathway. so so again, that, that we did a lot of work actually. Sort of at Centre of Aging Better, we did a lot of work during COVID. A lot of work remotely. So there was a great project yeah. we ran. We got some funding from from Barclays that are, for those that are facing redundancy. So I wrote the bid around those. Um, within the West Midlands, so Brexit had been ratified. Then it was actually happening, and I said, yeah. well, "What's the impact going to be on um, on the automotive man? Or well, within certain industries within a certain yeah. geography?" So I looked at the automotive manufacturing sector yeah. within the West Midlands. It's very, it's quite prominent within this region. Yeah. And then they were talking about phasing out diesel engines by twenty thirty, and I know that's yeah. been moved back five years. So I thought, well, what's yeah. going to happen to those that are fifty plus who have worked on? Yeah. the conveyor belt or, or whatever yeah. you know all those all those years on diesel engines they all need to be retrained what happens to yeah. the supply chains they'll need to be retrained or do they just walk out and not have a job for those out of yeah. 50 plus so yeah. a, a big big project around that that's successful i think they i think they're piloting it now did yeah. a lot of work recognize issue around those are economically inactive so those that aren't claiming any benefit but are 50 plus but they they either want to work or can't get a job yeah um, but also those that don't really need to work, but they can actually bring something back in terms of uh, commercial benefits to the government, the UK mm. PLC, they can bring some commercial benefit back. So what 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 is the government doing or what is the TWP doing or are the government organisations doing or departments doing to support those that cohort as well? So beneficial yeah. for them to get back into work, but also beneficial to the government to get out of this current economic climate. So I did a lot of work, a lot of work around that. And it's all evidence-based data-based test and learn pilots and a lot of that lived experience as well yeah so you've got that i'm just thinking about you've done that real front line like face-to-face person-to-person and you've gone policy so it's it's um yeah I've got prospects, people, policy, pathway, just all the P's here. <laughs> I, need a fit. I could think of a few more P's. But... <laughs> <laughs> and, and tell me about the work that Pathway do, because I think when I see some of the updates that um, have been shared like on LinkedIn and been at some fantastic award ceremonies recently and recognised for your work, um, tell me a bit about that and how people can sort of learn more and get involved. Sure. Uh, so Pathway Pathway Group is sort of um, our umbrella organisation. Um, mm. So Pathway is an independent training provider set about 23 years ago um, and within East Birmingham, which is mm-hmm. predominantly and still is, was and still is sort of very Southeast Asian. 
yeah. uh, mainly sort of Pakistanis, uh, Afghanistani community, and we set up sort of delivering uh, ESOL, English for Speaker of the Languages. There. Okay, yeah. And and it's it's grow it grew to an organisation and has grown to an organisation now that's de- delivering across eight circa eight combined authority areas, so, mm-hmm. so within all the way up to sort of West Yorkshire, Manchester, um, in London, Derbyshire, Nottinghamshire, Cambridge, Peterborough, uh, but a number of our contracts or the, the most of our contracts are in the with the West Midlands, and that's apprenticeships, uh, traineeships. DWP restart program, um, yeah. etc. Adult education budget. Yeah. So for those that devolved combined authority areas and non-devolved combined authority areas, and not getting too technical, but those are sort of the contracts that we that we generally deliver. Okay. In alongside that, we also run a number of initiatives, for mm-hmm. want of a better word, around the issue around supporting those from marginalised communities. Yeah. So those from the multicultural community um, to really look at sort of promoting equity, diversity, inclusion and social mobility yeah. in, appre- in apprenticeships and skills. Yeah. So that's sort of still under the, the, the pathway group ecosystem, but it's yeah. sat, sat outside our operational side. And that's that's okay. sort of the, the side of the business that I work in. OK, so I, I, I can sort of talk about those initiatives or it'd be really, um, yeah. I guess. And I, I suppose what's quite interesting is, and maybe is it a bit of a full circle? If I think about some of the people that you will be helping, um, yeah, maybe talk to me a little bit about um, if, like you say, you're working with maybe Pakistani and Afghanistani communities and showing young people that and their families that apprenticeships are a valid, valuable route. Yep. to to work and success would that be right and fair do you think yeah it is and, and it's not just sort of the the, the pakistani and, and afghanistani community that that's basically where the pathway group they deliver and, and obviously yeah. gone further afield you know within mm. within sort of west yorkshire you know the demographic is, is is changed as well and you know within cambridge cambridge and peterborough you know there's a different demographic for example so it's a it's a whole um the whole community and individuals who we deliver to but however there, there was a real issue around the equity of opportunity and accessibility for the multicultural community right okay, um, yeah. so so that that's who we look that's who we look to serve within sort of the multicultural apprenticeship alliance that that i that i run um yeah. but going back to your point in terms of full circle it, it definitely is full circle and just going back to my point in terms of having that lived experience and that empathy yeah. and then understanding the individual and being able to understand things such as a culture and um and where they where they've actually been and being able to articulate articulate with them in in that sort of manner to say well i i know exactly where you've come from because i've yeah. been there or i've seen people who are who have been through that sort of same journey that you're going through but there is there is an option there is an opportunity at the the other end and you need to to grasp it and we'll support you in grasping that as well but it's also making our patrons aware on you know our our three pillars are education engagement and advocacy and policy at the multicultural apprenticeship alliance so it's about educating the the community but it's also educating our patrons as well around the issues of, of engaging with the multicultural community and um given 
kind of some of the areas in which you've worked um and i quite often ask this of, of guests is have there been times where people have expected that you are degree educated or that you would have been to university uh, absolutely as i said sort of um I think I think even now, because apprenticeship still within the multicultural community, particularly the South A- Southeast Asian community, mm. they're not really seen as a as a, as a viable option to mm. FE and HE. You know, it's, if for example, if you were to ask my my parents, you know, what is an apprenticeship, they say, well, well, yeah, you can become a carpenter, you know, you can yeah. become a mechanic, you can become a a brick bricklayer, for example. Yeah. But they wouldn't know that you become a solicitor um uh a doctor um yeah. an accountant an engineer i mean my yeah. brother's a my brother's solicitor he's yeah. a partner in a firm but he had to go and did go through the through the sort of traditional routes really by feHE masters yeah and, and i bet he, he even he doesn't know that you can become a become a solicitor by doing a degree level apprenticeship apprenticeship yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting, isn't it? And and certainly, if I think about yeah the language around where I grew up, it would have been apprenticeships are for plumbers, gas fitters, yeah, bricklayers, and 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 I think um, you know probably and she's been a guest on the podcast. Joanna Hughes runs a solicitor apprenticeship program for this for the city because one thing that she taught me that was quite interesting is that many small firms have been offering apprenticeships for a number of years but the city has actually taken a while to catch up <laughs> um, yeah yeah well she, she's doing a obviously she's a patron of the multicultural apprenticeship alliance and we work very closely with joanna um well, she's, doing a, she's doing a great great job with the um, yeah. you know with city law firms and yeah and and that and that she's very much driven around equity of opportunity so she doesn't yeah. want she wants everybody to get have that opportunity to become a to become a solicitor you know yeah, i've heard yeah. you know she we've had stephanie boyce who was a past yes or the first black female president of the law society had we had this podcast a month ago she would have been the past president of the law society yeah <clears throat> but they recently got got somebody in but she she she's a real advocate for social mobility as well and she spoke about her journey um, yeah. and how she became sort of top of her profession so so these real yeah. sort of role models that that's yeah. we, we really need to bring in as well and what do you feel has kind of held you in good stead throughout your career so far? Um, I think I, I sort of I, I have been sort of thinking about this, and and I you know I could come with a come up with a lot of sort of um, things, and you know the, the right thing to say, and then you know sort of project management stuff and whatever else. <laughs> you know? But I, I really think in terms of. Um, couple of things really I think one is sort of personality and and my personality has really um held me in good stead um and by that I mean you know I'm I'm, I'm I keep being told I'm a really likable guy uh which is a good thing which is a good thing but that yeah. I think that's but I think you know that's like everybody saying no you're nice Do you know what I mean? yeah. nice, is, nice is good and it's great but I think that but also but also being that personality I've also got that personality to ensure that I achieve results um, so I wouldn't have worked for you know some of these uh, large large organisations or larger organisations, but even when sort of pathway group really were who were classes in SME, had I not achieved results and not continue achieving results in terms of what we're doing with the multicultural friendship alliance and the multicultural friendship awards, 
etc and the festival of apprenticeships i think people would have seen through that and i would have would have been out of job very very quickly so i think it is that sort of that, that sort of likable personality that and then particularly in your role you know you need to you need to gain that that trust of the person that you're speaking to because you are mm. either selling promoting or delivering a, a service and if you don't do that they you know the individuals and organizations see see through you very very quickly yeah no that's very true and and how can people um as you mentioned patrons yeah are you looking for are you looking for more <laughs> We are, yeah. So, um, so we work with the yes, please, yeah. The, the, the because we really want to, we really want to push this. We we we're sort of yeah. launching a multicultural apprentice network, um, where you know we'll we'll be a, a forum for multicultural apprentices to to network and share their best practice, but also for our patrons to access yeah. these yeah. individuals and talk about their lived experience. Yeah. Um. So we work with a lot of large sort of public and private sector organizations, um, mm-hmm. FEHE institutions, independent training providers and awarding yeah. bodies. Yeah. Within. But then we also have our strategic partners as well, you know, organizations mm-hmm. who are very prominent within mm-hmm. the apprenticeship and skills sectors, who again will help support us raise the profile, but help with our strategic work as well. So there's a number of organizations such as the Association of Apprenticeships, such as Youth Employment UK, such as World Skills, okay. Institute for Employability Professionals, who, who we work with in terms of that strategic 5% club, in terms of that strategic overview as well. Okay. So I'll put a link in the show notes to how people can best connect with you and view your work. Um, and when's what's the next big date in the diary? Let's 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 wrap up with that. What's apart from well at the time of recording we're in December but what's coming yeah. up so professionally for you so we have um, we have the festival apprenticeship so national apprenticeship week is coming up in early February um, yeah. where we're launching our festival of apprenticeships where um, we hold three events so yeah. for want of the better word you know careers fairs for aspiring apprentices where we have yeah. an event in London Manchester and, and Birmingham uh, over 80 employers last year sorry yeah, earlier this year we had a footfall of about 5,000 per event so that's probably the focus there Great. we're also holding a multicultural our inaugural multicultural apprenticeship alliance conference on the 11th of June okay. in in Birmingham so again that'll be a real sort of showcase for for apprentices um, yeah. but also a conference really for thought leaders and, and sector leaders to come and, and come and present and be part of brilliant okay so that's some events to look forward to i'll put those in the show notes as well um thank you just i've made so many notes this time um it's just been a really lovely interesting episode um please say hello to apache indian for me i will do, <laughs> I will do. I'll, I'll 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 send him your uh... I'll, I'll send you his number if you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I could get myself into trouble with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, real pleasure to talk to you, Jagdeep. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you, Tony. And again, it's been an honour and pleasure. Thanks.